listening to the Ice Prep Podcast. Here's your hosts, Brian and Pat. So a little behind the scenes there. If you're wondering why I look so weird, I realized my phone volume was on. And I could see a notification coming through. It's like, I gotta beat it. That's not good. You don't want it to be dinging throughout the entire thing. There's nothing worse than like you're listening to something and you hear a phone ding. I like 32 thoughts is one of the most like from time to time it dings. And I'm just like, was that my phone? And I keep thinking I get these messages. It's 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 a nightmare. And it's so funny with that, too, because um, their producer apparently removes a ton of them. There's just some that he can't get to, which is why (laughs) they go through and they use them as sounders all the time, too. So it's. Well, and that's, I guess that's going to happen when in the playoffs they record theirs at like one thirty in the morning mm-hmm. when Elliot's driving home. Ugh, Luckily, awful. we get to do this one at 12.26 in the afternoon on a Friday. Yay! We are doing this. Our usual phrasing of as of recording, which is our catchphrase, uh, is actually going to be different because we're doing it on a Friday instead of Thursday. So we're going to be a little more up to date than we normally are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which still means we'll be behind, but yeah. just not as much as usual. We're 12 um, hours obvious... instead of, uh, <laughs> or, or no, we're 72, 24 instead of 36. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> hours and math, it's terrible. Yeah. Um. So obviously the playoffs have started. Every team has played two games. And we've got, we'll obviously go through a lot of them. I think to me the most surprising thing well, there's two. Well, I'll go one, one in the East, one in the West. The most surprising thing in the East is Carolina not having as many goals against because their goalie situation is such an unknown. Mm-hmm. And in the West, um, did the AHL version of the Calgary Flames show up? Because they've only scored one goal in two games. Ha, <laughs> ha, but they were supposed to be the people that win it, said Pat in his NHL bracket. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, I really want to sink my teeth into the Calgary stuff here. I, honestly, it makes me so happy to see because everybody fully, completely, totally underestimated the Dallas Stars. And this is what I said when I said I did not want to go up against Dallas. I didn't want to go up against Nashville or Dallas, or when I say I, I mean Colorado go up against them, um, because they can turn into a different gear. They can find the secondary scoring that's, or lack thereof, they can shut you down, they can do things to your team that you did not expect. That has happened every time Colorado's faced them in the playoffs, and this is exactly what's happening to Calgary, and it just... The satisfaction that I feel to see everyone going, where did this come from? It's like, this has always been there. You just didn't see it because you've never played them. And now you are in the playoffs and you are seeing Dallas playoff hockey, which is the most frustrating hockey in the world (laughs) to play against. Yeah, and just looking up, um, Dallas has a ridiculously ridiculously good record in one goal games mm-hmm. like statistically I believe they're one of the best in the league and if Calgary keeps playing this uh, it, eventually the dam will break because I feel like Calgary's offense is just too strong it just can't break if they're down 3-1 in the series and who knows maybe getting sometimes especially for teams like the Flames they had that huge home win stand earlier in the year Sometimes in the playoffs, when you see teams, they're just like they can't score. They need to get away from home They because mm-hmm. it still feels like the regular season. They're not in that road playoff mentality. And we saw that with teams like Tampa Bay. Game two, they came to play. They, they knew exactly what they had to do. Um, another one on, uh, I guess that was the only one um, on the road that, lost first round because all the others that you look at you've got uh hold on my brain is just oh yeah so the for those that are you know where i'm going there's a we have a chart in our notes and i have 
plopped the games in, but the uh, the NHL app, the way that they've done it is they've now switched it to whichever is home and away. Uh, because so confusing. Um, now we're into game three for every game in the series, which means they are swapping who is home and away, which means it has swapped. Um, but yeah. The I two... knew where I was going. I was just a little too far ahead of my uh, my brain and my mouth on yeah, that one. No it, problem. There really wasn't a home or away advantage too much for the first game. And the second game, minus two series, everything is now um, all square. Though the craziest stat that I think I've seen so far, um, teams that scored first as of right now are fifteen and one. <laughs> Can you? The, the obviously there's sixteen games. Can you guess the only exception to the rule so far? Hmm. I will give you a hint. You watched part of this game. I watched part of all of the games. Okay. Um, you Edmonton. watched probably a lot of this part of this game. Edmonton. Well, they won 6 nothing in their game. The well, three overtime the game. game. Oh, the three overtime yeah. game was the only time the team who scored first didn't end up winning the game. Yeah. And you I know don't what? think that that will continue, but it's one of those, like, it just shows that early goal. In the regular season, he gets talked about so much, and it's kind of, it's it's good for stats in the playoffs. It's like, no, that can change everything. Yeah, and I think I saw that color like uh, last night when I was watching the Colorado game. Um, uh, they they posted a stat that said something along the lines of that Colorado was first in the league for if they scored first, they won the game. Um, like that stat sort of thing, like it, it which doesn't surprise me because they come out incredibly hot. Um, I would be curious to see uh, what's going to happen in Colorado for game three, though. Um, I know I'm already kind of shifting to Colorado. I mean, I've, I was the first person to count them out as a Colorado fan, and suddenly I'm now uh, like, If I grab daughter. my piece of paper, it says, Pat picks Nashville. Well, that was Nashville over Calgary, and... That's true. It it did end up being the swap on that. I think we had every other series correct, by the way, when I we were so. going through. It was just that wild card swap at like the last minute. Yeah, and honestly, I still I stand by that Calgary will be eliminated. Um, I'm not as firm on Colorado being eliminated now. Um, I was a little worried about how they would start. Um, I, I do find that they kind of they start hot and then they they taper off so that's why i'm really curious to see game three especially in nashville which is notoriously notoriously fan driven in like when it comes to just the energy um but the colorado barn has been incredible so it's tough to say um i would like to point out that the reason at least one of them why i don't think colorado will lose this series um, and we're going to do a second guessing game with Pat here. Do you know how many shots Kale McCarr had on net last night? Oh, I think I saw it was 23 or 24. <laughs> no, that was shot attempts. Well, yeah, shot attempts, but he had, I think it was 11 or 12 shots on net. 12 yeah. shots. He wanted, he wanted to score. Like it's, it's those games where you saw Matthews when he was in, uh, encroaching 50 and then 60, mm. just like, I'm going to score. It doesn't matter. Give me the puck. I'm going to shoot. And it's not like they're muffins on net. Like they're his his shots that he does are usually pretty high danger chances. So, yeah, if he's taking a shot, it's because he sees something. And the, the part that's remarkable with his shot, like the more that I watch him, the more that my jaw drops. Um, he he can shoot whenever he feels like it. Which I know that kind of seems like, well, yeah, that's kind of what hockey is. But it's like, he'll be skating and he'll be like, now, and like, you're just not ready. He'll be. There's a few players that can do that. Oh, like Phil just... Kessel, his wrist shot's the same way. Yeah. You never know when it's going to release. Matthews has that. Makar has that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, you, you just can't tell when or where the release. And you've actually seen um, on the Sportsnet broadcast lately, I think it was BXA talking about, he was going over and showing that yeah. goalies are getting so lost because some of these players are just able to literally, as the puck is releasing, they change it, and there's no way of knowing because you can't 
go with what you normally well um, know. The one thing though that you mentioned the people, so you've got Matthews and you've got Kessel. Um, I kind of want to say maybe a little bit of Pasternak and maybe or Marchand. One of the two of them or both. All those are forwards. Forwards yeah. are well, doing I, that, and then I would I would McCarr. still make the. See, this goes back to the argument we had one of the first episodes in that I thought Mitch Marner should be playing defense. Get him on the ice more. He yeah. moves around like a modern-day defenseman. That's what happened with Brent Burns. Everybody forgets. He was drafted as a forward, moved to defense, and he plays like a forward. It's just he's the first guy back. Marner's the first guy back. McCarr is a forward who just happens to play 30 minutes a night because... He's on the defensive team instead. Did you see how much with the thir- with the three overtime game, the stat lines for the minutes played? Because I know you say he plays oh, thirty my, minutes, uh... but it was like forty five minutes. There was like six people that were forty four minutes or higher. That's yeah. Insane. And Chris Letang was leading the way the whole way. Yeah, he's not gonna <laughs> win the Norris. Okay, no, he's completely out of that. But that one is definitely long gone at this point. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess we can go there. We've kind of jumped around. Yeah. Um, the three overtime, which means immediately on night one, I lost one of the questions that Pat had set forth. Woo! Um, and honestly, looking at the other games, I can't believe that there was even a second overtime game so uh, thus far because it seems like every game, for the most part, has been relatively one-sided. Yeah, like there's been quite a few blowouts. I know that uh, at least with like game one, for instance, or I guess even just game two. So you've got Edmonton, Tampa, Minnesota and Florida uh, in game two coming back and they were just like, no, you're not allowed to score that many goals on us. We're going to score goals on you and just like went all out. Um, In the East, there's only been one close game. Every other has been what you could call a blowout. Obviously, the Leafs Tampa game two was 5-1, it comes back to 5-3. So that one, if that game had a few more minutes in it, I think that game gets tied, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah. The West has been, well, you beat us big, we're going to come back and destroy you. So it's just one of those weird... Tit-for-tat sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is the refing. Yeah, well, okay, so we went into the three-overtime game, and I kind of want to stay there for a bit because that was a remarkable, remarkable game. I think we'll get into the refs a little bit later because there's a lot that we can unpack there. We have to talk about spicy pork. Well, yeah, like the the triple (laughs) overtime game, first of all, like three-overtime, love it. As much as most people are like, oh, this is terrible, I hate it. Shut up, it's amazing, I love it. It's so good to see that much good hockey like that's it's it's just it was so good there were so many moments where you're just you hold your breath and I didn't care about either of these teams like at all I don't care who wins between Pittsburgh and New York I really do not care but that second overtime was probably the best period of hockey so far these playoffs it's unbelievable the 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 third period was or the third OT was not good but that second like you can tell when the teams that that gear clicks in, mm-hmm. and your fourth line gets like two minutes. So it's it's just the your top two lines and your third coming out there. There, like it felt like every single shift it was like, oh, there's eighty seven again. Oh, there's eighty seven again. And like they just dug deep to find this extra energy. They were borrowing happiness, as I like to say, from tomorrow. <laughs> like because I can't imagine that they felt good the next day. But midway through. And by midway, I mean in overtime, DeSmith goes down. He's injured. At first, people thought it was a cramp, but like it seems like it's definitely more than a cramp because he didn't play game two. And they bring in Louis Domingue, who is eating spicy pork and broccoli, who has his own cookbook. Literally, so for this is between the first and second overtime because as the backup, you're like, there is less than a 0% chance I get into this game. Yeah. So apparently he had a gopher go get this for him because I don't believe they actually sell it at MSG. No. So that comes in. He's had that. It's it's one of the more like goalies are weird people because they ask Gensel like what are what are the guys having? They're like shakes, bananas, and protein bars. And there's your backup goalie. I mean, I can't remember 
they're like goalies used to or they still do they like hide snacks in their pads if they're on the the bench for the <laughs> night like goalies are are the best crazy people yeah and he looked good in that overtime i mean it probably didn't hurt that pittsburgh was like you're not going to get a lot of shots on pittsburgh wanted that game yeah once like in overtime so much more and it was so obvious well and the other thing too that i saw quite a few people talking about on the tweeters um was is this the new meta is this the new way that you approach multiple overtime games goalies are tired too like mentally and physically they're exhausted on the ice watching this they know they're going to see an increase in shots and probably high danger shots because their defensemen are tired so do you bring in your second string especially if like i'm gonna go to uh boston let's say you know they actually were good minnesota instead yeah minnesota they've got a really solid tandem of talbot and flurry so you know, between overtime one and overtime two, say Talbot started, do you bring in Flurry? Yeah, he's going to be cold, but at the same time, is cold versus tired? What's the actual balance? I even say Colorado with Kemper versus Francois. Francois is actually a really solid backup. Like he would, like I feel like on any team he would be a one B. And do you, is that I the think, new meta? Would that I be think a good if risk? your goalie is comfortable, there's no way you take him out. Yeah. Because all it takes is that happening one time and it backfires and you look so bad. I mean, could we see it down the line? Absolutely. Nobody thought that baseball with pitching would become this like you hit us, you hit your rep, you're gone. Like, okay, even if you're having a good game, it's the fifth inning, we want to go to our bullpen type thing. Yeah. Four pitchers do in I one see game it? And do I win. see it right now? No. Is there a possibility if the NHL allows in the playoffs uh, carrying a third goalie? Yes. Which because there's should. that risk of that goalie coming out, and something happens, and they have to come back in, and they they're not ready to go again. So that's that whole weird balance and then you don't want to have to bring in an e-bug like carolina had one sitting in their dressing room for game two yeah um there's there's been honest like four or five potential e-bugs already this playoffs yeah and they've played the nhl has has to allow these teams like the nhl has to be like okay just here's a third goalie spot just just take it could you imagine the argument for it now is so clear like how how can they say it's not necessary when clearly it is they let the teams have these practice squads. Let them dress a third goalie. Who cares if they have to, like, sit in a broom closet? It's it's the playoffs. Don't give the other team an insane advantage like that. Mind you, weird things can happen. But I mean, the weird thing shifting over to Carolina then. Because yeah. you have, well, I mean, this isn't as shocking. Sorry, I'm going to adjust my mic because I don't think I'm recording well. all right oh look at that my voice is spiking far greater now when i look at my my wave and for just and uh for anybody listening you won't notice a difference because i fixed that after we record so you know you're gonna be like it sounded the same it's a person talking about here any hoodles (laughs) um yeah, with Carolina and Boston, so uh, Antiranta goes down uh, after Anderson is already injured. Uh, hopefully, he's back for this. Uh, for this, why is my brain not working? Matchup. Three? Hopefully, he's, he's <laughs> back for this matchup um, in Boston. In Freddie in Boston. Here we go. You know, to exercise some demons, but. Their, their backup, their third string, has shown not only in the regular season but also now in the playoffs that he is fantastic. His nickname is equally as wonderful with it being Coochie, but <laughs> not even kidding. Um, but th- this kid is good. This kid is um, NHL ready, and that's awesome to see. But is it another Nedeljkovic situation where he's able to stand on his head, but they know that it's a limited time run. That will be Carolina. Carolina. We all thought they were idiots for the moves they made on Mrazek and Nedeljkovic. They made out like bandits on those. Like, yeah, they, they save money. They bring in Freddie, they bring in, um, Ranta. They've got this, they've got this other kid. They saw something because they get to see the players that we didn't. I, 
when that first happened that they got rid of those two guys, I remember everybody being like, Carolina is done. There's no chance. And then they bring in these two goalies, and it's like, oh, well, why didn't you just pay Mrazek that money? And then we see what happened, and it's like, there's something. Carolina, obviously, the home team knows more of what's going on. They're, that team, something to do with goalies and defensemen, they just have this like magic knack for it. The one thing I really want to point out, uh, Darcy Kemper, Antti Ranta, Aiden Hill, and Wedgwood. All of them played for Arizona. And that well, goalie... Wedgwood is a devil's property to begin with, but yes. yes. So they all played and developed with Arizona. And again, Is that like what Dar- happens when you don't have a good team in front of you and you're forced to learn like trial by fire? There's trial <laughs> by fire, but then there's also good goalie coaching. Yes. And that goalie coach now is the goalie coach for Ottawa, which we talked about, I think, earlier on, probably close to the start of this podcast. Not this one, but like the general beginning of this entire thing. Um, and... That's why I think that Ottawa has a really good chance down the road, so long as they draft well. Um, And I'm not trying to shift this to Ottawa, but it is interesting to see how many former Arizona goalies are in playoff positions now. Um, To that point, which former uh, journeyman had a unreal season, got signed a contract, and is most likely the starter for Ottawa? They have this new goalie coach, Anton Forsberg. So you're definitely on to something with that one. Yeah, so it's just it's an interesting, interesting uh, thing there. So keep an eye on all the uh, the former Arizona goalies and then all the goalies that get developed and moved out from Ottawa because obviously they're going to be doing some moving. Decord, don't put him in that um, because he didn't really get much exposure to this goalie coach. Um, but even still, I think that who I can't even remember his name, but he he's very good at his job and should get paid more because he is <laughs> he's literally creating Stanley Cup contending goaltenders, which is 100 percent what every team wants. Everyone should be knocking on this goalie coach's door, plain and simple. That's just uh, trying to look it up. That is Zach Bierk, B-I-E-R-K. And good for him. Uh, maybe it's more than just him, and I'm going to assume that it is. There's probably, like you said, the trial by fire. But, hell, he's in Ottawa. So if there's going to be a trial by fire, why not move to another team that is at least a little bit better for it, but still a trial by fire? Yeah, so let's let's go from there back to the playoffs because we've kind of jumped around a little bit. A little Um <clears throat> So, obviously, there's only two series that there's a clear advantage right now, that being Carolina up 2-0 on Boston. Uh, also, the best possible series to watch because these two teams are going to murder each other. They've already started doing it. Um, I have the feeling that's only going to get amped up even higher with the Boston crowd because mm-hmm. they like They're they not get happy their essence on blood, too. and Boston... I can't imagine that team going down 3 nothing without leaving teeth on the ice. Um, and, of course, Colorado up 2 nothing on Nashville. Though, um, as interesting as those two are to me, I called it before the playoffs. I still think it is. the Like, if you're as a neutral observer, Minnesota-St. Louis, mind you, Jared Spurgeon should be suspended. Yes. Um, that's a whole other beast. Watching those two teams play, first of all, um, bless you, Minnesota. Kirill Kaprizov gets his first hat trick, and a lady throws a bra on the ice instead of a hat. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even want to talk about the Wild. I don't know. I I tried to watch some of those games, and it's the most frustrating hockey to watch because it's it's two very dirty teams trying to out dirty one of the other. And it's without getting called for it. It's like the refs showed up to the other seven series and there they're like, wait, what's going on? We're part of the MLB umpire league here. Yeah, we're just going to make sweet, loving eye contact while we rub Bumgarner's hand. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For those that don't know, look up how an umpire just like really gently caressed a hand and then threw a guy out of a baseball game. Out of context, if you don't know what's going on, it is the most hilarious video. It doesn't make sense. It is is wild. But um, back to the wild. I... 
yeah, the I want to talk about that Jared Spurgeon thing because that to me is deeply upsetting. Um, the fact that it was only a fine to me is like intent to injure needs to be taken out of that is straight up intent to injure and if like that's one of those ones he may be that could bother him game four game five game six because it could take a little bit to realize how bad it is Mm -hmm. you can't get anything after that like i'll let i'll let you run through it happen because it's it's yeah so more or less uh there was a collision i can't remember originally what the original point of contact or anything was, uh, but I believe it was Buchnevich. Was it Buchnevich? I think uh, so. I believe I'm looking it up right now. Um, so the St. Louis player was on his knees and he was about to get up, and Spurgeon had also fallen down as well. And Spurgeon then targeted the Achilles area of the St. Louis player's uh, leg and cross-checked it. He stopped, looked at it, and cross-checked the leg. It was deliberate. And so dangerous. Achilles tendons, if you if that snaps, that his playoff season is done. And, oh, and I'm, I'm just watching it done. right now. You can see Buchnevich's like his whole leg and ankle. I have the feeling that if his leg was up any higher, that would have been really bad. I'll send this to you just so you can see it for the the full context of it. But it like. The fact that that was only a fine is Pathetic. probably the worst call of the playoffs so far. Yeah, and the part I think that really deeply upsets me the most about it is the fact that it was the captain of a team that is already very dirty that is normally not the dirtiest player on the ice. So he is the person that is supposed to kind of set the tone. That is sort of the purpose of the captain, to energize, to lift the team up, to be that guy on the bench. And here he goes, the person that is not known for intent to injure, going out and intent to injure a person, not only just a person, but one of St. Louis's better players, that is wrong. And the fact that player safety was just like, ah, but he didn't get hurt, so it's only a fine. What what happens if he did get hurt? What happens if it did snap his Achilles tendon? Which, like, the thought, like, that injury alone, just as an aside, that injury alone, the thought of it, makes me want to throw up every single time. I can't imagine. Anyways, um, that'll be a sound for everyone that was listening. I apologize for that. But um, I just, I can't, I can't fathom player safety sitting there looking at it going, it wasn't that bad. How can you not think that was a bad hit? Yeah, it, it, like there's, at no part of any game ever should that be one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, that's part of the game. It's like, no, that's the stuff we're trying to get rid of. It. The more I watch it, the more I'm like, I can't believe he wasn't like, just for the, that may calm down some of the insanity in that series. Like Clifford very much deserved the game yep. or the five, the game and the suspension. That was a If he doesn't game. get the suspension, game two is probably it gets way out of hand because there would be the going back and forth, and it's like, okay, well, he literally has sat out two games now. Um, but that that series, as I said to you before. Whoever comes out of that series to face most likely Colorado, because the Avs are up to nothing right now, they're not just going to be bloody. Like they may have body parts dangling, like Crosby's played against them. Yeah, and I said this to you uh, earlier this week that uh, I really feel bad for probably St. Louis. Like I still think St. Louis is going to take it if it goes to a game seven, and in game seven, St. Louis is up let's say 3 nothing 4 nothing in the third period uh, i would uh, i would wrap them all in bubble wrap because yeah. there's one thing minnesota and i read this and it makes complete sense the reason they're dirty is because they're sore losers they don't know how to lose they don't like losing cuz nobody does um, that's true so what they do is they take their frustrations out on other people because they're like, well, if I'm going to lose, I'm at least going to take you out. Now imagine that on the scale of a game seven against a team you've just like literally battled against 
for seven ga- or six previous games. They I, like Tarasenko is going to lose an arm. <laughs> yeah. Like they're going to take yeah. skates off and go for throats. Like it's just they're such pathetic sore losers that they have to do that because they were down. I think at that point was it four nothing? I think when that hit happened, and that is uh, a perfect yeah, example so. of the Minnesota hockey. Whenever anybody says experience Minnesota hockey, that should be the image that goes with it because they are sore losers. Four nothing in the third with a minute and a half left. Pathetic. That's when that took place. So. Absolutely pathetic. <clears throat> and then Dreisaitl does something not quite as bad, but after tying the game against LA, the hard slash the back leg against uh, Jersey. So it's, I don't care if it's stars, you have to get that out of the game. Call and the it. fact that it's, and here's the thing, we can argue until literally our bandwidth is gone and nothing's going to change. And that's the worst part of it. We know there's five more years of it at least. Yeah. With Batman well, well, signing on for five more years. Let's, let's, you know what? We don't need to talk about the bat. It's playoffs right now. There's crazy good hockey going on. Yeah. Um, I do want to we just go on this because tonight, obviously, is the first start of Game 3. So you've got uh, the first game in Boston, the first game in Tampa, uh, the first game in uh, St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken, and in L.A. Yeah, I've got that right. I was doing that without looking. Not too bad. Um <laughs> So one of the more interesting off-the-ice things, I'm not sure if you've seen this, but the Canadian teams um, are taking buses to cross the border to then fly to their destinations. That is, uh, and the the American teams are literally chancing it because say they were to go to fly out of Canada, this is rules for uh, athletes still at this point, and they test positive even if they're asymptomatic, they would be forced to stay home. Oh. Or be forced to stay in Canada. So by circumventing this, at the very least, Edmonton and Toronto have done this. They put their players on the bus. Toronto players, they drive to Buffalo because you can go across the border. You don't have to get tested if you're driving. Then they fly, so there's no worries. So it's one of those like weird things. The reason why I bring that up is Spets is playing tonight for the Leafs. He was asked about this. He says, that's above my pay grade. I get on the bus when they tell me to get on the bus. I get on the plane to tell me when they get on the plane. As long as it all leads to the arena, I'm pretty happy. So even the players are like, eh, we get to play. So, you know, it, it it's a smart move. Um, it is. It's that's, it's, that's really, really it's smart. It's covering all your bases. Yep. Because could you imagine if, um, we'll just use Tampa cause we'll talk Toronto Tampa here in a second. Yeah. Say it's like Vasilevsky ends up testing positive. He's cool. asymptomatic. He goes to fly. They're like, no, you don't. And now because it's known, you can't cross the border via a bus either. Yeah. And you have so to wait until you, the team comes literally back. game five. <laughs> so. Nice. I Yeah, and it's not like this is abnormal because this is happening in the MLB as well. Mm-hmm. Every time the Jays go on the road, they drive to Buffalo, then they fly. Away teams are doing this as well. They fly into Buffalo, and then they... So it's it's not like this is a new thing. It's just first time I had seen it talked about for the NHL because it's been going on all season for the Jays so far. So it's, it's just kind of one of those like, yeah, little like, oh, that's kind of neat things that you probably won't hear about unless you are looking for it. I guess technically I did that when I did Vegas because I, I flew out of Detroit because it's... Uh, well, cheaper. Well, yeah, it was <laughs> like per ticket like $450 cheaper. It's stupid. Um, and Detroit's so much easier to fly out of in comparison to Pearson. And Buffalo, I don't think, had a flight that worked or was relatively cheap. But um, yeah, crossing the border was pretty easy. I mean, it always is pretty easy. You just kind of do it. So it doesn't surprise me. That's that's actually a really smart move by them. I like that. It's a weird little circumvention. It's it's different type of LTIR play. <laughs> <laughs> um, since we brought it up, we're two games in for uh, the four ones that we talked about. Let's let's just play a game. Carolina Boston tonight. Who's gonna win? Yep. I think Boston's going to break that uh, no win. Leafs, lightning. 
That's a tough one. Uh, Leafs play well in Tampa, so I think Leafs are going to take this one. Wild Blues. Uh, I just want St. Louis to win the St. Louis. Oilers, L.A. L.A. Wow, okay, we only agree on two of those. Uh, I think the Canes are going to sweep this series. Okay. They're, they just look too good. I know I said that Boston's literally going to leave teeth on the ice, but they they it just feels like one team is trying to get going at the starting line, and Carolina's already like a couple laps in. They've got their reps going. Carolina I looks agree incredible. With, so yeah, I, I, I agree with yeah. you on the Leafs. Um, had they not had that rally in the third, I think this series is in trouble. But because the Leafs showed that they can come back. They didn't obviously get enough goals because it was just too big. They also had, what was it, like seven penalties? Yeah. Seven or eight penalties. You know that number is going to come down. Otherwise, Keith is going to, like, grab a stick and hit one of the players behind the head. Spets is playing, as you said. I, if... (sighs) Tampa does not lose after they have lost a game. So it dictates the Leafs have to win every odd series game um, or odd like one, three, five, seven. So that that's to me, it's like if the Leafs are going to move on, which I have predicted, they have to win this game. Yep. Um, St. Louis, I agree with. They're just the better team top to bottom. Yep. And I think LA got their only win of the series and they don't stand a chance from here on out. See, I, I think LA is going to be one of those. T- I think LA is going to be the Canadians this year. Everyone's underestimating them. Nobody thinks they're going to do anything. And I think they're going to come in and they're going to prove, yeah, no, you guys, you need to pay attention to us. They have a lot of depth, a lot of really strong, like physically strong, but also mentally strong talent. They have a lot of experience on that team as well, which is often overlooked because it's in the West. You don't really hear too much about LA anymore. They, they've they been working for years to rebuild this team, and this is the fruits of that labor. I mean, you, you see some really strong, talented players. I pointed out that Moore was going to be a standout player in the first game. He had three points. You know, you just got a lot of talent. He leads LA in points. You've got a lot of talent that most people overlook. Like, how many people sleep on Kopitar? If there's a person that's the most underrated player, plain and simple, it's Kopitar. Anybody that says any, like, we haven't even talked about him. And he, every year, except for like one or two, puts up numbers that are just as good as the year before, if not better, continues yep. to push himself even further. He's not young, but he still plays like he is. This team is sneaky good, and Edmonton cannot rest on their loyals. Laurels. Sorry. <laughs> I almost did that without a flub. The only reason why I think is if you look at how the matchups went between McDry and... um Dino Kopitar, L.A. could not figure it out in Game 2 to yeah. save their life. Well, I think Woodcroft line figured... I th- that is the line, but Game 1, they like L.A. had that dominated. I think Woodcroft has got it figured out a little bit. I think we will see some potential wonky lines happening to avoid that, but I I don't know. Something in me says that Mike Smith is just, he's got one round in him and that's it. I mean, what I'm going to say here is game one, they didn't expect the Dano effect. So they didn't plan for it, which doesn't surprise me. Edmonton not planning for something that doesn't go their way. (laughs) What? What are you talking about with their archaic goaltending? Um so they didn't plan for Deneau. So then they sat down, they looked at the tapes and said, okay, this is how we get around Deneau. We have the line change advantage. So they did the Band-Aid solution. They're going to go into LA, play two games in LA, and Edmonton's going to be going back to Edmonton down 3-1 in the series. We'll, we'll see. I think I my brain says um, the series comes back to Edmonton tied 2-2 my heart because if I have a second team uh, behind the Devils it is Edmonton is that LA 
had they're just too gassed from trying to get into the playoffs. And that's fair. We we have seen the big boys for the Oilers step up and we're starting to see the depth players not mess up as much and that's been a big thing. So there part of me I it just feels like one of those years where Edmonton is just going to start chugging and I if they get going, if Edmonton can get going and they get solid goaltending and by that I mean maybe 9-10, look out everybody in the west. I don't know. I can't see Edmonton getting past the second round. If they get past LA, there's no way they can get past the second round. If Calgary or Dallas plays the way they are now against Edmonton, if that's round two, they are. It's going to be over in four games. It's going to be the Jets against Edmonton all over again. Would yeah. Wait. Except the yeah, Oilers yeah, would be the yeah. winning team. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. <laughs> because like. What you're saying is that Calgary, in theory, their stars aren't scoring. That's what it is. They've scored one goal, and they have some of the best talent in the league. They have in, like I even quoted to say, probably one of the best lines in the in the league. But they've only scored one goal. So if they go up against Dallas, a team that is notorious for playing incredibly boring hockey, one – that series that doesn't score. That series will be an ambient, a an ambient <laughs> on the TV. That will be a box of gravel to watch. Um, but they don't need to score if their goaltending and defense can shut them all down. So, and clearly that's what they're doing to Calgary. If they've only scored one goal in two games, Calgary needs to adjust. I know they will. Obviously, there's going to be more than just only one goal. I can't imagine it not being that way. But your argument of that Edmonton's going to be able to steamroll them go, is completely contradictory to what's actually happening in that series. Because Ottinger is showing that he is an NHL caliber, all-star caliber goalie. And I knew this as soon as they shifted over to it um, when uh, Hudobin got hurt. And obviously with, um, oh, who retired? Uh, ben Bishop retired like yep. I, they, and they also have Holtby there too yeah they they knew what they were getting with Ottinger he is a first round draft pick that they traded up for and that's that's the thing goalies are weird that way because we literally have in recent memory a goalie situation like this and the team went on to win the cup yep but it's it's one of those if the hockey playoffs were a best of three or a best of five, I would say absolutely. Because it's a best of seven, but at the same, like, you look back to last year, the the Leafs should have never lost that series because it was a best of seven. So it's, it, you can argue both sides. I'm, this is just me. I've, I've put my foot in the sand. It's like, no, this team is going to win. I'm going to find reasons to justify it. <laughs> You're doing the same on the opposite side of things. So it's, it's kind of fun to hear kind of our different sides of like here is why this or here is why not that honestly if that makes sense this is why i love west hockey because everybody underestimates a team and then all of a sudden they're incredible this happens every year yeah like the montreal canadians last year yeah that was the east but no they won the western conference championship though. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i forgot that they beat they beat golden knights didn't they yeah, they did. So they That's the so Montreal Canadiens were the Western Conference champions. Well, there you go. So yeah, the West is it's <laughs> it literally earns the title of the Wild West because it every year it's such a weird, weird, weird road to it, and it's a weird playoff thing. Whereas the East, for the past like six, seven years, it's kind of felt kind of the same, maybe with a couple. Teams. Yeah, you like you. Within one or two teams, you know yeah. who's probably going to make it. The West, nobody expected Dallas a couple of years ago. Nobody expected St. Louis to go on the run that they did. Nobody expected Arizona. Well, yeah. They made <laughs> that's it. A, that's uh, on the back of Darcy Kemper, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't yeah. it? On the back of Andy so. Ranta and, uh, and Darcy Kemper. But even still, they made it. The West is insane. <laughs> It's it's like all that travel does weird things to those human beings. Yeah, it's who knows. But even still, um, I love that we don't see eye to eye on this because we, we generally I'm usually able to convince you 
on my side not on, and vice I, versa? Not on this one. I Yeah, because we're both... We see... We're seeing, obviously, the same game, but we're watching different things. And for me, obviously, with the Edmonton series, I'm pulling more from my heart on that one yep. than I am from my brain. And I was very open and honest about that, that I think that it's going to be 2-2 going back into Edmonton. I Something... Just... I don't it's, think they have it. I don't think I don't think McDavid can do it there. The only person that I think that actually Oh, can, he won't win a cup in Edmonton. No. Uh the only person that I strongly 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 feel bad for and believe should not be on that team and should go anywhere else to be appreciated is Kyler Yamamoto. That kid is one of the best hockey players on that team and all people talk about is Nuge and Nuge, come on, do something. Do something. I mean, the Devils have done pretty well bringing in Oilers before. Um, if you guys want to holy we need crap. we need some we need some kind of like depth ish pieces. I mean, Kyler, we need a goalie more than anything else. But Kyler Yamamoto reminds me of like a Terry Lekkinen or Val Nichushkin on Colorado, where they just go into corners, they fight the fights, but then he also has the speed and accuracy of Marner. He's like this combo of both. He just needs to be groomed a little bit and given more opportunity, but he can't get the opportunity. That's there. yeah, that's the downside sometimes to having that monster up front. Yeah. And because they have them so spread out, it's like, well, it these players that would it's the same thing as when Vegas came into the league, right? Yeah. Exactly. Like all these guys that there's there's only so many spots and there's better players in front that they don't get their chance to shine with the minutes. So it's and that may be why they don't trade him because they know they need that guy. If one of the others go down, it's it. I don't know. I, I if I was any if I was a GM for any other team in the league, I would be I would be asking the price of Kyler Yamamoto and seeing what I could do. I think that that kid is going to be a star, and if not a star, just one of the most difficult players to play against in the entire league. And more people should be talking about him. I'm glad he's getting a little bit of. Uh, He's gotten a bit more of a spotlight this year, but I'm, and I'm, he deserves it. Um, but yeah, that kid is fantastic. Uh, what will be interesting, this is the final uh, of his UFA year, I believe. Oh, I haven't looked um, into any of that. So he is ELC. No, he's on a contract. What is he on? I will figure that out because something is weird when I look at uh his stuff. Okay, he signed a sorry, he signed a one year one point seven five million dollar uh, RFA deal. Hmm. Edmonton can't afford to pay him. He'll be I. He'll be gone. No. The I, only I way that he'll he'll do is if he takes the discount to play with McDavid because like that's also when you think about it like. Hyman, I can guarantee one of the reasons he went there was just like, well, I got to play with one of the best players in the world. I'm going to play with the other one of the best players in the world. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing to play with somebody of the caliber of Connor McDavid, of Leon Dreisaitl. That's that's a that's a pretty cool thing. So I don't know. I, it'd be it, they would have to offer him a decent amount, and I think that he's worth, in my mind, two point five to three um right now and then once he matures like i would give him a, a prove it contract of 2.5 to 3 the, on here's a, the issue though yeah. as i look this up he is uh arbitration eligible hmm. so that number will probably look more like three to four i imagine at least i think um, he still deserves it i mean he only had 41 points during the regular season in 81 games but it was still 21 goals 20 assists goals cost a lot more than $2 million a year, typically. Yeah, and like 21 goals is not something to scoff at. That's good. That's a good second, third line person that you want to have. And if he is the person that goes into the corners, that gets dirty, and is able to put up 21 goals on top of that, like, go and take a look at uh, Val Nachushkin's numbers. Tell me that it's not similar. I wouldn't be surprised if he was also floating in the 30 to 40 point range with probably decently close to 20 goals. I think he had something like 25 or 26, if my memory serves me right. <laughs> 25 goals, 27 assists. 
Uh, he is a UFA at the end of this. He currently makes two point yeah, like five that. million dollars. Yeah, he's going to be worth five at least um, because he has that ability to drive the play, and that's what Kyler Yamamoto has. I can't believe we've been talking about Yamamoto for like ten minutes. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but he's just he's one of the more interesting players to me on the uh, on the Edmonton team, and. I think he needs to get a shot. I think he needs to be given an opportunity to show how good he is because he deserves it. Yeah, and who, maybe I'll be keeping an eye on that because he's one of those ones that, for the Devils, I know I. it's just looking. There are certain things we need. Obviously, goaltending is number one, but players like that, they are good to have. Mm-hmm. Um, there's It's so weird because there's so much with the playoffs, but it feels like we're not going in on all that much because there's just been a ridiculous amount of weird already. Yeah. It is the NHL season of weird. Um well, I mean one like thing we, that we kinda we we kind of touched on the fact that the refs are calling penalties. Like they're going out of style. It's on it's good to see. However, there have it it feels like the regular season at some points where it's like, okay, we're we're just gonna call these penalties. It's like you 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 know that one wasn't a penalty. Mm-hmm. Oh, that one wasn't a penalty either. And then the makeup calls start to come, and it's like you've got to be – you almost wouldn't rather have not that than the makeup call nonsense that starts to happen because then that becomes a narrative in the series. It sucks that it's so reliant on that. Like half, more than half of the first game between the Leafs and Tampa yeah. was specialty teams. Yeah, and what? Like, that's – that's when you know that it's kind of. I mean, granted, in, mind you, in that game it was very warranted. So the many second the calls game, have been. Like, yeah, even the second game there was there was like yeah it was holding. When you see friggin', I think that's why I'm so foot. thrown off though because I've been so I've been taught for years that that in the playoffs that's fine. Yeah, and well, now they're actually calling it, except in some series where they're not. So is it going to be one of those like? okay, you've had your refs and now they're going to go to another one and then you're going to get a completely different game style. That's what I don't like. Yeah, if the refs are dictating the series and the flow of the series, that's ooh, that's not great. Because um, if I'm not mistaken, it might be a new, I'm going to look it up quick, it might be a new refing squad coming in for Carolina-Boston. You think that they're not going to be told to calm things down? The, right. And that, I think no matter what happens, that game three is going to get out of hand mm-hmm. that is going to be boston's mo win or lose well and the crowd's so going to be behind every single thing carolina just loves their team like the fans no matter what they do they love them whereas boston it's similar to toronto where they hate their team so much but just want them to win <laughs> boston has wanted to run out one of the best goalies that that team has ever had for like 10 years yeah so it it's gonna be a messy game. I regardless. see you on Twitter, Edie. Yeah, come on. <laughs> we've we've seen those tweets, um, but yeah, it's 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 tough because yes, the Toronto Tampa game, the first one, got out of hand, so they started to call more. I think we're going to be running into a situation like the start of the season where it's like, okay, this year we're cracking down on. Remember the 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 face off dot where the feet were. And you would get oh. penalties if you weren't standing in the right position. And that, like, for the first, I don't know, the overcorrection weeks, to the undercorrection. Exactly. For the first three weeks, it was a nightmare. Stupid penalties over and over and over and over and over. I feel like that might be the situation here. They're overcorrecting because so many people have been like, well, it's a free for all. The game's so different in the playoffs. So they're going too hard in some instances. And I feel like it will plateau once we hit round two which then also sucks because then it's just yeah, like it's a different game again well does that dictate who stays and who goes like that could like literally game two this game like game two that just passed for tampa versus toronto that could be a, a very deciding game because of all the penalties yes toronto deserved a bunch of them um because of but all the penalties, at the it's as strange as it sounds you saying that makes me think that may have been what the Leafs needed to be able to win the series because they're now going to be that. They're obviously, you're still going to play on edge, 
But if they have another game where it's like all those penalties get called and there's next to nothing on Tampa, you think that's not going to cause oh, the next game like something to change the other way on it? And that that Leafs penalty kill is freaking scary. <laughs> They're, I mean, there's the weaknesses were definitely showing um, in game two. I mean, there's only so many penalties you can kill without letting yeah, in a that, goal. It, if they give up half as many penalties, they probably win that game. Yep. Honestly. And so, and as you said. That, like, yeah. as much as, yes, they did get bombarded with quite a few penalties, they were doing things to deserve those penalties. Not all of them. I'm not saying they deserved every single one. There were bad calls. But, like, people that are getting outraged because, oh, that was barely a hold. And I was like, but it was still a hold. Yeah, he... he was no longer able to play the puck because the guy was like bear hugging him from behind yeah. trying to rip him out of a bar because he's drank too much. Yeah. It's yeah, I, I hope that the games we see tonight it's like okay, that was a well-managed game because we don't need all these insane calls. We don't need to see, mind you, it is so fun to see the, like, line brawls that are happening. Oh, it's so good. Just game manage without dictating. And that's, that's I think that's honestly what every fan wants in the playoffs. Because everybody knows it's a heavier game. The game gets faster. But don't be, you're not Angel Hernandez. This isn't the Angel Hernandez show. Do you know what fans actually want in the playoffs? They want to see the line brawls and not hear about betting stat lines uh, that completely block the uh, line brawls. And then everyone's going, why are there so many people in the penalty box refs at the Toronto and Tampa game? I don't know. Maybe it's because they cut away from the fight for no reason. What the hell? The American feed stayed with it. Yeah, at least there's that. But man, this is this is why the best thing that I have done is any term related to betting or any of the accounts, because I was getting, like, every third tweet was an ad for it, I muted them all. I muted the words. I blocked it. It it feels so good. It's so much better. Except it's everywhere on my TV. It's not like I want to put Post-it notes on my TV to block them. And here is the thing that really bothers me about that. So... You can watch. We both made money on it when it was on the stock market. Well, there's that, but (laughs) I have no remorse. You know, I mean, maybe a little. I kind of regret it now, but. And what are you talking about? You made money. I definitely did not. Um, I did. I I think I lost like sixty bucks. But anyways, um, I made like two. So the part that really bothers me the most about this. So uh, the reason that we're kind of talking about the stock market there, uh, we were actually following this sports betting thing for quite a bit last year because it's a new thing that came into Canada. We were following Sportsnet uh, simply because their stock should erupt uh, once the score, the score, sorry. Um, The stock was supposed to erupt when uh, it was announced that sports betting in Canada was evolving and pretty much turning into what you could do in the States. Cool. Bill C218 for those playing the home game. There you go. So we were all excited about it. Boy, are we eating those words. So oh, the part I, that... Like, I knew that advertising would come with it. I just wasn't expecting half of an intermission show to now be about betting. So the part that really bothers me about all of this, though, is if you watch a hockey game, you are going to get slammed with ads for alcohol whether it's White Claw or beer or whatever it is, wine, um, you're going to be seeing not like so much of that. You're also going to be seeing nonstop ads for betting or even crypto, which in my mind is a type of betting at this point. Um, So these two things that are clearly addiction-based, that's what they are. Like literally, they have to have disclaimers about it, about please drink responsibly, or here's a phone number if you're so addicted, you're losing all of your money, but yet they're still able to do that. And then it is not okay to advertise anything about cannabis, which has actually been proven to help in certain situations, maybe not the THC strain, but the CBD strain to help with sleeping with this with that with this with that without as much addiction associated with it and that to me is pathetic i am using that word a lot today but it's just it's so frustrating because 
I know people that have been deeply affected by alcohol abuse. I know people that have been deeply affecting, uh, affected by being addicted to gambling. And the fact that that's okay to, to post online and something that's less harmful in cannabis can't be shown in a commercial? Come on. Get yeah, off the high horse. We were we were talking about the overcorrection and the undercorrection, and I feel like we're getting that with sports betting right now because yeah. they've got – all this money that they are just throwing, it's the first playoffs with it. I can say from watching, because uh, the Devils were one of the first teams that kind of partnered up with betting and all that. Mm-hmm. When that first happened, it was like watching what we get now. Instead, it's a maybe once a period cutaway, and that's it. We will get to that point. It's just right now, it is so in your face, and it's frustrating. I get it. I get it that it's that it's fun. Like I used to do pro lines all the time and whatnot. But when it becomes the product instead of the hockey, because that's what it feels like sometimes that it's being shoehorned in. The betting has become the product instead of the hockey. That's where it's it it gets not as enjoyable to be like, yeah, maybe you know what? I'll put five bucks in just just because. It's like, well, then I'm just feeding into this monster that is taking over half the broadcast. Well, it's not only just the broadcast as well. It's also like they're buying up people online, like personalities online and saying, hey, talk about our stuff. Hey, can I have a betting expert? Whatever that, which is so stupid. But like an expert come on and talk about, you know, gambling and what you should bet on and all these things like it's everywhere. It's saturated everywhere. It's all over social media. It's all over the TV. It's in print ads as you walk around the city. Like, you can't escape it. And I cannot imagine how difficult this would be for a person that's trying to recover. And their one little saving grace was just enjoying a sport that they love. Maybe they never bet on it because in Canada you couldn't really before. Like you could a little but not so much. Maybe they never bet on it and that was their one escape and now they can't even escape that. That, uh, it's heartbreaking. It's awful that they think that this is okay. As weird as it sounds, I hope we do get to the point (laughs) I'm going to contradict myself very quickly on this but where, you know how we see the digital ads on the ice? Yeah where they find a way to have those be, like, targeted to you like you get on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. So you could be like, I I have this problem. I do not want to see alcohol ads or gambling ads. I wouldn't be surprised if that's something down the line. But it's, like, that's, that's the only solution because it's not going away because it's money for oh, the yeah. teams, for the players, for everybody. And we just have to hope that this is a major just, like, Oh my God, it's something new. It's NFTs, but it's gambling for sports. And it just goes and it chills out. It calms down because, yeah, like as I I honestly probably have combined between words and accounts, 150 things blocked. That's just Ontario related. Yeah. I mean, what you were saying about the targeted ads, I already thought that was happening because I was watching one of the games and it was talking about how My Chemical Romance was going to be playing at MSG. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK, so you, you were you were looking at my Spotify list. So but no, in all seriousness, I know it will clean up. I know it will get better. It's this it's exactly what happened actually with cannabis stores when it got legalized all of a sudden everywhere. There was more cannabis stores than there were grocery stores. There are still in Ontario more cannabis stores than there are Tim Hortons. Yep. It will level out. That is unsustainable. And it's the same thing with these betting apps, platforms, whatever it is. There'll be buyouts. DraftKings bought the score. So there are going to be buyouts. There'll be amalgamations. There'll be things like that. And they're also going to be listening to the online sentiment. Not a lot of people are really thrilled with how much it's out there from what I've been reading, or at least I hope maybe it's just whatever my curated feed is, but it will get better, but I'm just, uh, I'm not enjoying it as much as I have. Yes. Um, sorry, not to derail the conversation. Um, refreshing Twitter. Penguins to Smith out for playoffs after surgery. Oh, he had surgery. 
Congratulations, New York Rangers. As long as Shesterkin stays healthy, you will make it to round two. <laughs> wow. That's that's tough for the Penguins. That sucks. That's, that's you know, you never want to have one injury or I suppose two injuries be the reason for the downfall of your team, especially that early on or just in general. Uh, it's just, that sucks. Uh, so yeah, hopefully. Yeah, uh, Dumoulin is day-to-day with a lower body injury. Raquel is day-to-day. Uh, Zucker is a game time decision. Um, Yari still continuing to rehab. If they can get him back and there's still a chance in the series, never count out Crosby Malkin, but that is not good news. No. And it's funny, like the, the names that you mentioned, like those are, those are people that for the most part, aren't spring chickens. They're, they're a bit older. And that, that's, that's the theme with the, with the, with that Penguins team. They're, they're an older group. And unfortunately I think that it's, the, the if they if they had the Smith, out. with the Smith, I think they had a legitimate chance in this series because yep. of how we played. We talked about that, looking at his numbers. Um, so who knows? But I've learned in the past never count out Crosby. It's one of the dumbest things you can do in hockey. But yeah, as long as Shesterkin's on the other team. But who knows? Who knows what's going to happen there? Um, I think about time to wrap it up there, Pat. Obviously, so. we're not going to do a game of the week. It doesn't really make sense to because they're all kind of ish game of the weeks. But series of the week, in my opinion, and I think Brian's on the same boat with this, is Carolina Boston. That is a hell of a series. So good. Do you like blood? Yes. Okay, here you go. Well, it's just like there, <laughs> there's just this battle. There's this tension between the team that I, I haven't felt in any other series. It's just it's a very, very good series. I never thought that I would say that it's must watch TV to watch a Boston team. But here we are. Watch it. It's great. I really, really enjoy that one. Yeah, it's it's going to be. And the fact that game three in Boston, they're down 0-2. That crowd is going to be, oh, that the Boston players may get booed more than Carolina. Yeah, which that's what'll be fun about that one. Oh yeah, especially yeah, if, if it's three <laughs> zero. Oh, that'll be good. So I think that's a, a good time to sign it off. And luckily for Pat, for the Saturday game, he doesn't have to even stay up late because his team plays at four thirty in the afternoon. Woo! Which I think he hates because they had, I believe, a very bad record for not late games or something like that during the regular season. But they're not we'll super see what at happens. midday. No, they're they're not super duper at middays. So there's that. Uh, when we talk to you next, there could be a bit of a change. We'll have to see what happens. If you're just listening, nothing new, but we will. Uh, there could be something fun and new coming down the line for us. So stay tuned for that. If it does happen, we'll let you know. Um, anything you want to add, Pat, before we uh, end the show? Just two quick things. Uh, one, if you get a chance, uh, read the Nazem Kadri thing that he did for the Players' Tribune. Uh, he speaks really, really uh, eloquently about uh, Toronto and how much playing for the Maple Leafs meant. And also uh, him owning up to what he did in the playoffs. I think everyone knows what I'm talking about there. And then Which this, one? Yeah, exactly. Both, actually. He owns up to both. Three. In the... Oh, yeah, it is three. Even still. Um, he really... It's a really well done article, um, and it really gives a, an interesting insight into uh, who he is and why he plays the way that he does. Um, yeah. And then the second thing is, it is Mother's Day weekend, so to every person out there that is celebrating, whatever capacity that may be, a happy Mother's Day, uh, as well as for those that uh, this day isn't the greatest, uh, flowers. And warm hugs to all of you, uh, virtually, digitally, whatever it may be. Um, it's a hard day for some. It's a great day for others. Uh, so just enjoy it at whatever pace you prefer and have a great, great Sunday. <laughs>